Do you have lots of ideas but run into frustration when they haven't taken flight? On this Saturday cast, how to give those ideas wings through intentional action. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 420. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. And this is the monthly Saturday cast. About once a month, I air an episode here on a Saturday that's a chat with one of our Academy members or alumni or listeners. And uh, the next regular episode still coming on Monday. So this is a bonus show. And the Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to create movement in their leadership development and organizational results. You can discover more by going over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy, and that will also get you on the early alert list to be notified about opportunities to apply for the Academy. And today, I am really excited for my conversation with Johanna Nalal. Johanna is a alumni of the Coaching for Leaders Academy, and she is, more importantly, the Australian Research Consul DECRA Fellow and the Adaptation Science Theme Leader at Cities Research Institute at Griffith University in Australia. She's also the lead author for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's Sixth Assessment Report, Working Group Number 2. Let's start off with, uh, I guess, the beginning of how you and I first got connected, and it was probably before you and I even had a conversation. It was back when you found the show originally. How did you come across uh, the podcast? Oh, thanks, Dave. So I was going through a phase in my career and in personal life as well where I really I was thinking quite deeply about the role of leadership and re- leadership models, and. I went to the iTunes and looked at the podcast and the first that came up was your actually your show, Coaching for Leaders. And I pretty much just started binge listening. So I listened for two months intensively. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I felt it actually, I mean, there's neuroscientific evidence as well that whatever you read or listen to does actually change your brain. So I changed my brain for leadership. So as you have been doing your work and diving into the research as you've been doing for many years in your field, and now also thinking about that through the lens of leadership, what's emerged for you that you've heard from the show and through your other studies that's come up that's helped you to really do more in the context of your daily work? Well, I think it's a concept that scientists, if we want to be leaders, Even if we study a particular scientific issue, we do want to have societal impact. We do need to step out and, you know, be more vocal about the research and and the findings of of that research. But having just looked at in the last, let's say, six months of the global climate change discussions and negotiations, it's more important than ever that scientists do engage with these processes, in particular at the United Nations level. And what's really, really coming up for me is the kind of concept of daring leadership, you know, the brave leadership. We 
are noticing daily news. So every time I open, let's say, Twitter to check what's happening globally, there's news every single day for the last probably six months is countries are reporting unprecedented weather events, something that's never happened before. So this morning, you know, it was in Mexico. They had this big hailstorm they hadn't had before. So for me, that says that the scientific community, we do need to really work hard on producing the evidence base, for instance, for climate change. And then how do you adapt to those impacts? Yeah, it's really fascinating how much of this crosses disciplines. And I think so much of the work that all of us are doing today and will do in the future is going to require a multidisciplinary approach as you have been a leader in. And we're going to talk about this more in a bit here because you've really looked at combining leadership and climate adaptation and some of your writing and professional work in a really unique way. Before we even go there, I'm just curious, like as you started listening to the show, who are some of the people that came up for you that started to influence just your thinking and behavior change and how you communicated in your daily leadership? Well, I think definitely some of the episodes that I found super insightful and I actually bought the books, so for instance, Dory Clark. So in many ways, she focused very much on personal branding. And that's something we don't talk about in academia. So we've often had the kind of assumption that if you are a scientist, what you do is you publish a really good paper. You do first, obviously, really good research, publish a paper in a very esteemed journal, and then everybody will know who you are. And that maybe worked in the 70s and 80s. But nowadays, you know, there's so much more saturation of information out there. And Dory's work has really helped me to define my personal brand, but also think about how I communicate which platforms do I want to engage in. So I bought her books, Reinventing You, How to Stand Out. So Stand Out has been a book that I have recommended also to many of my colleagues. So it gives you really practical examples of, okay, so if you have an idea, and this is very much true for science as well, because we live on ideas. We make careers on, on a particular idea. So how do you then have that? It's, it's great to have a great idea. But how do you then actually stand out in a crowd of many great ideas? When you think about, I, I knew you've been a huge fan of Dory's work for a long time. As you think about all you've learned from her, what's one of those ideas that stands out from her work? No pun intended there, <laughs> stand out from the title <laughs> of her book. What's one idea that does stand out for you that got you thinking and, and like you said, behaving in a different way? I think it's just the courage to tell this. So this is what I always say to my younger colleagues who are kind of thinking where they should be taking their careers and what are they interested in and what ideas that they have would be different on what other people have. And I always say that you define, and this is very much what Dory says, is you define your story before they define you. And that is one of the key things. Like for me, it has been super helpful in terms of thinking I am actually in charge of my career. I'm in charge of my personal brand. I'm in charge of what kind of a story I want to tell to the audience. And I think a lot of her work, you know, it's fundamentally saying you can and should be defining that. Yeah, indeed. And, and if you don't, someone else will define it for you eventually, right? So if you want to have a say <laughs> in your brand and how you show up in the world and the organization, taking the lead to start that and influence that is pretty important for all of us. 
Absolutely. And I think a lot of people show away from that because they feel that, well, I don't necessarily have the perfect track record on that particular idea. And this is why I love the Academy is that it gives you the interaction with, with your group, but also it gives you the courage to kind of start defining that brand and, you know, making sure that then what you kind of communicate out to the world that this is your brand, then you actually start living that as well. And I like in the beginning when I've started writing more about leadership and trying to think, you know, looking at the different models and ideas and on innovation, creativity and climate adaptation, I felt, well, I, do I have a track record? But I think at some point you need to say, this is where I actually, I'm very passionate about this. This is where I want to go. And then you just need to put the hard kind of yards in making that. Yeah, it's not necessarily an either or, it's both at once. And it's interesting what you said a moment ago about the traditional thinking in academia. and But I think in a lot of places too, was that if you do the best work, it will rise to the top and people will find it. And like you said, there there was a time that that was generally true. And I think that those days are over. The ship has sailed. Uh, that That's a starting point. But it's also just as important to have the brand to do the networking, the relationship building, the influence without authority, so many things we've talked about on the show and that you've put into practice. And I want to zero in on something you said a minute ago, too, that I think is really key is the behavior change piece of it. And that's getting me thinking about the work of Morton Hansen. I know you've shared with me before that his work and his research out at Berkeley has really influenced a lot of your thinking just on how to change behavior. What what came up for you in thinking about his work and how you've applied it? So when I heard Martin on the podcast, so I got obviously I got the book, great at work, and you know some of the really key insights from that book have helped me a lot. So basically, what his research is saying is that a lot of like high achievers think that okay, I need to put like eighty hours a week, and then I'll be surely leading in whatever I'm doing. Whereas his research is really saying that the great kind of successful people in, across organizations and across disciplines, what they actually do is that they work less, but they obsess. So they really hone into whatever they're doing. So let's say that they have four hours, they need to accomplish a task. So instead of, you know, having their email open and, and checking, you know, the social media and being distracted, they actually hone in on the work. And it's actually also kind of given me the freedom to be okay with that and say, okay, if I can do four hours of super focused work, that's going to be worth so much more than, you know, floundering around for like, I don't know, six to eight hours doing small things in between. So it's really helped me to think differently about focus. It's so interesting how the research is showing again and again of these studies of once you hit about 45, 50 hours a week, that there's no benefit to working more hours than that overall, if you look at, you know, weeks and months as far as productivity. And it really speaks to what, you know, his research found. And also the practice I know you think a lot about is how do I really maximize if I got three or four hours, how do I really maximize that time so I get the most out of it? Absolutely. And look, that's been super helpful for me as well, because I'm a single parent, have a small child at home. So, you know, even just, you know, thinking about balancing that, so balancing my work, being focused at work, and then being focused, being a focused mother at home. And it, it is 
interesting that because I just might be reading the Carl Newport's new book, The Digital Minimalism, as oh, well. Yeah, and that yeah. very much speaks about the same kind of idea of focus reflection as well. And taking the time also outside of work, spending time with your family with focus and how much value that's actually adding to your life. I'm curious as you got into the podcast more, at some point you reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about possibly being a part of the Academy. What was the motivating factor for you of what you wanted to get out of the Academy? (laughs) The underlying reason was frustration because I kept listening, listening to the episodes and I'm thinking, okay, so this idea is amazing. So how would I actually implement that in practice? And I found that I didn't actually have a group setting where I could discuss my ideas or these, you know, the ideas from the coming from the episodes and think about well, how are you doing this at work? So I've missed that kind of sharing community. And so you do remember that before I joined the academy, so they were, you had different guidelines who could join. And so I remember reading those guidelines and I said, yeah, but I'm not a CEO. What about the emerging leaders, you know, the people who are the next people who would be stepping into those roles? So I was, when you opened the academy, I was thrilled because I think a lot of the times when we think about leadership, we looked at the CEOs and we look at the head of schools and we are like, oh, yeah, they need leadership training. But no. I think the most fundamental way that you can build transformation and brave leadership is you start with the people already below because those they're the ones who are going to be stepping up. And so if we don't have a good handle on what the kind of vision is for organizational leadership and what values do we want to see in our leaders, I think we're missing a lot of the key opportunities. So The Academy for me has been a tremendous learning opportunity in terms of sharing every two weeks, sharing, you know, what I've seen, what I've struggled with. But also, you know, we shared a lot of the wins and a lot of the small leadership celebration where we did manage to, you know, make decisions or direct conversations the way that we thought was valuable. One of the things that we do at the beginning of the academy journey is set a vision for where all of us want to go as individuals over the next year, and then, of course, working together to support each of us in getting there. And one of the things that you mentioned in your vision early on was just saying, I'd like to do a little bit more writing, maybe even start a blog. So tell us more about that that initial thought that you had and kind of where that came from and what you hope to start with it. Well, I think that's <laughs> this is going to sound bad because I'm going back to frustration, but <laughs> maybe frustration is the food for creativity. Who knows? But I felt like a lot of the times when we as scientists write papers or when we write assessments, and we need to use a very particular language, you know, to remain objective, and that's what expected within the scientific community. But then when you Start talking to people who are not scientists who, you know, work for government or work or working in the private sector or, you know, wherever. So they don't, you know, the scientific language is, it's because it's so particular. So it's very difficult to understand. And I had this kind of frustration growing in me that I have all these ideas about, you know, when I read these books and I listen to these podcasts and I have all these ideas that I like to put on paper, but I can't like <laughs> put them in the scientific article. So I had been playing around for a few months, even before I joined with the, um, the academy. 
that I like to actually write a blog that would look at the kind of intersection of leadership, decision-making and climate change adaptation and how all of that is kind of meshed together. And so when we did start the academy, I did say in the first session that this is something that I'm thinking about, but I hadn't taken the step until then to actually, you know, invest on the website and just go for it. And, you know, when we did start the academy, I did make a commitment that I would write a blog each week. And I have kept that up since December 2017. Yeah, you have. It's really amazing. What as you got in and started writing and the blog started to emerge, what happened? I think it became an outlet for me in terms of, you know, putting my ideas out there. So when I'm observing global processes or looking at seeing emerging trends that I couldn't necessarily do a whole research project on. So it's a way of communicating some of those ideas. And I'm always hoping that people do find well my bottom line is if one person reads this blog and thinks well that's helpful then I've achieved my purpose so I suppose it's it's a modest way of thinking at the moment and I've met so many other scientists who've read my blog and say I wish I could write a blog and I said why won't you and they said well you know I don't know what to say and what if I get attacked and you know so there's a lot of concern I think in the scientific community when we start using these alternative ways of communication but I've found that I have been actually able to reach more people, more people from diverse backgrounds, because I do try to normalise climate change adaptation into the mainstream. So in a way, a lot of the stuff that I'm writing, is there's always some adaptation angle in there. And I think that's, that's hugely important, especially since <laughs> the way that the world seems to be heading is that we are going to get you know, more and more warmer temperatures and more extreme events. I think adaptation is going to be that kind of everyday stuff if it's not already in the the next few years. Yeah, for better or worse, you are probably the person I think of that I've met in the last three or four years that I think your work is on the trajectory of being so critical to everything we do as a human society in so many ways, unfortunately. And the intersection between climate adaptation and everyday leadership that you're writing about is really fascinating on on thinking about that and how we as people begin to adapt and to 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 change that. By the way, I'm curious what kept you going because it's been quite a commitment now. You've been going almost 2 years writing an article every week. You've gotten a, a following on the blog. You've gotten people who are reading your work and reaching out to you. What was the biggest help for you as far as from your colleagues in the academy or the feedback you got from us that really supported you in that process? So I have a very curious mind. So I'm always very interested. So when I'm listening to a podcast episode and there's you know, an author talking about their book, I'll often get the book and actually <laughs> read the book. And then, so a lot of my blogs are actually summaries of the, some of the ideas that are you know being written in these books. And I think it's a nice way for me to summarize it for myself as well, but for others. And at some point, I said to some of my friends in the academy, I said, oh, you know, it's quite challenging sometimes, especially balancing work and and small child to then still find the time to write this blog. And they said, oh, well, but you can't stop. 
like how, like I don't have time to read all these books. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were like, no, 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 like, like, like there's no way you can stop. Like you need to just keep writing because I need to read your blog every week so I can kind of get on top of the latest ideas. And a lot of the books I do read, um, so I ordered yesterday two new books that just came out. So a lot of the reading that I'm doing is quite new. So yeah, so there's <laughs> there's a demand that I need. I keep going. But it's also the comments that people make. So whether it's something that they might say on LinkedIn or you know leave a comment on the website about how it actually helped them. And so I had a case where a PhD student of ours said they read my blog on loon shots on Savi Bakal's. Oh yeah, loon shots. And she came to my office and I and she was holding my blog that she had printed. And she said to me, she's like, this morning I read your blog and the final pieces of my PhD puzzle just fell into place. And that comment really meant the world for me because I think that's exactly where I want to be. I want to be one of those people that can help you think through whether it's about organization change, whether it's how we adapt to climate change, that those kinds of comments yeah, they just keep me going and just being noticed, for instance, by Dory Clark and her reposting my blog has that, you know, that's something for me that makes me feel like, okay, I think <laughs> some of the stuff that I write makes sense. Well, indeed. And one of the things that I really think is brilliant that you've done is you're not trying to like become a professional blogger per se what you're doing is you're getting the word out about your work and the important findings in your field, and you're looking at it through an intersection that almost any person can appreciate and understand. And the other thing that I think is really cool about what you've done is you've then turned that around and utilized that for credibility and for marketing in the work you're doing. And you recently were awarded this amazing grant. And part of that, I think, was part of just your thinking on the writing and the blog and getting more attraction for that. How did that come about? Yeah, so the the grant that I got is an Australian Research Council. So they have this particular grant for early career researchers. So people who are in their career where they would benefit hugely from running their own project on a very innovative particular topic. So, I mean, the success rates are, I don't know, like 10%. So <laughs> a lot of the people, when I put my application in, they said, oh, you know, good for you for trying. So but last November, it's, it's a very long process, but last November, basically, the results came out and I got one of those. So that means that I can focus on research only for the next three years. Fabulous. And start forming also, also my own research team. So the project is really about looking at climate change adaptation, but looking at the kind of underlying theory and the principles. Because what we have been seeing, and this is something I was covering already during my PhD is that when we start thinking about a topic and if you are a manager and a new, you know you're giving a new task or a new issue that you have to deal with, you you know basically start, well not necessarily Googling, but you know, reading reports, okay, what is this? And so what often happens is that we read these reports and we start forming an idea, for instance, what climate adaptation is. So we have already developed a lot of assumptions about climate change adaptation, but I haven't really seen any critical analysis of what those underlying assumptions are, how have they evolved, and whether those actually are robust guides to influence decision-making or policy. So 
It's a very ambitious project, uh, looking at the kind of development and evolution of those decision-making principles and then trying to understand how this, you know, the kind of interplay between science and then the kind of policy, how, how those, we would call them heuristics. So how have those heuristics emerged and are they actually helpful? So that's my, my next three years. Fabulous. And, and so that wasn't even all, you know, you've had, you have your hands on so many different things, which I think is, is just so fun and exciting. And one of them is a project I think you created called Wonder Women. Tell me about Wonder Women. <laughs> yeah. So that's a volunteer idea that I've had. So after I finished the academy, I started thinking, I'm like, well, because I love the academy, because I had my group every two weeks, and it was all about moving forward. And like you always say, leadership is about moving forward. Whether you like take leaps or these tiny, tiny steps, you're still moving forward. Yeah. And so I did my PhD at this university. I mean, a lot of things have changed um, for better since then. And it wasn't bad <laughs> at the time either. But I found that I didn't really have a core group. And I didn't really have somebody who would advise me on things like personal branding, how to develop your career. How do you structure a LinkedIn profile? And, you know, the Brenda Bernstein's episodes have been really helpful for me that that you've had as well. So I wanted to have some kind of a group to help, you know, the younger colleagues who are doing their PhD, who have just finished their PhD, who are kind of early in their careers, to help them to be much more strategic than I was. And because I've been looking at this marketing, branding, leadership stuff for the last two, three years, so how can I be helpful for them? So it just happened that <laughs> all these people are women. So basically, I said to them, what do you want to call yourselves? And there was a suggestion, so like, well, why can't we be Wonder Women? And I said, that's what you should be. So nice. I think, so, yeah. <laughs> so every two weeks, because we have, so Griffith University is quite big, so we have five campuses. So we have people on different campuses and, you know, we have people who have single parents as well. So we get together every two weeks through Zoom and kind of have a discussion on career, like what's going well, what's not going well. How do you structure a LinkedIn profile? How do you develop a career vision? How do you show up in different platforms like Twitter? What can you use Twitter for? You know, so trying to help them to be much more strategic where they want to go. Because I think I didn't really have that. So I've kind of, learned in the process but now i feel like i'm in the position where i can actually help others to be more strategic and i love that you just decided that you were gonna help and go do it and you got a core group of women together who started it and now you're off and running on multiple campuses and having regular conversations and i just think it's really it's really a wonderful gift that you've given to your community that you've taken what you've learned and you've replicated it and now are creating that space for others to have those conversations. And to your point, like so many of us don't learn a lot of these core skills in our traditional academic programs and in a lot of places in higher education, even less so than in a lot of the business contexts, actually, as far as some of the formal, ironically, but in some, as far as some of the formal business marketing training, it's not often there. So you're doing something that's really useful to people. Yeah, and I feel like I can force people to take the full advantage. So I'm um, with the group. I hope that each each person who's in the group is an individual in a very different, you know, different life circumstance. So 
whatever they want to take away from those discussions, I'm hoping and it's helpful. And I'm not always maybe being so strategic. So for instance, like during my career, I haven't actually applied yet for a promotion. And I know a lot of people, you know, they follow the kind of career ladder much better probably than I do. So, so people running these kind of groups would be like, oh, well, I need recognition for this. But I think for me at this point, you know, running Wonder Women is something that I feel compelled to do, whether that's being recognized or not. That's part of what I really love about that you've done it is, you know, if some great things come out of it career-wise for you, wonderful, but that's not the driving force at all. It's how do you really help women to really engage and show up in a way that leverages their strengths and the academic training they've received in, in your case and in the case of the women you're working with, and also to really leverage a lot of the, the leadership ideas out there. And it gets back to what you said earlier, Johanna, of, you know, a lot of us have these ideas, we have these thoughts, we've read the books, especially the people who are part of our listening community, what the stopping point is for a lot of us is just taking the action taking that next step. And that's why I think the the bravery you've shown in doing that is really phenomenal of just taking that first step and then the second step and then the third step and now creating something that's really special. So one of the calls to action I'm going to have for everyone is I hope you'll go to Johanna's website. Uh, We'll have links in the show notes, of course, in this week's coming weekly leadership guide. It's at uh, johannanalal.com, and we'll have all the spelling in there for you. And the blog is Climate Adaptation and Everyday Leadership. And you can sign up there to get notified of all her articles that she's writing. And you often mention the, the authors and the experts that are coming on the show. And I, I always love how you look at it through the lens of what's going on in the world today and climate adaptation. And so thank you for, for you know, really helping get the word out about leadership too and all the work you're doing. Okay, then. The more I write the blog, the more passionate I actually get <laughs> get about writing the blog. And yeah, anybody who wants to connect, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I do post some of the things in LinkedIn. Perfect. So a bunch of resources here to mention. So first of all, we've mentioned some of the past episodes that have been helpful to you and I know have been useful to others too. One of them is we mentioned the work of Brenda Bernstein on episode 285, how to write a killer LinkedIn profile. So I'll link that up as well in all of our notes. Uh, We also talked about Dory Clark. She's been on a few times, most recently episode 318 ideas worth spreading from or <laughs> worth stealing from the top entrepreneurs, although spreading is not a bad title either. Dory's just done some fabulous work around personal branding and helping people to leverage their expertise. So for those of you who haven't checked out that before, please do. Also, Morton Hansen, episode 337, Six Tactics to Achieve Extraordinary Performance. And then finally, we mentioned the work of Cal Newport, uh, episode 400, How to Reclaim Conversation. Oh, and I guess we talked about Safi Bacall also, uh, The Way to Nurture New Ideas. And that was episode 418, just within the last couple of weeks. So, Johanna, I'm just uh, grateful for you for so many reasons. Two, specifically, one is thank you for the work you do, such important work for our planet and the research you've done that supported that. Just as importantly, Thank you for being an example of taking that first step and the bravery you've shown in your career of movement and trying things out and stumbling even occasionally, but being willing to do that. And because of that, you know, some wonderful things that you've created and work for not only within the scientific community, but now more broadly of getting the message out there. I'm really thankful for your inspiration for us today. And this is going to sound cheesy, maybe, but. But thank you for doing the podcast because I think all your work resonates. So when somebody says to me, 
you know, what is the podcast I should be listening to? Where can I get advice on leadership? The number one thing I always say, go for coaching for leaders because I know that your core values is service. So I know how much you think for each of the episodes you keep thinking, so how can I get the best information from this person that's going to be helpful to the people listening? And as I said, you know, finding a podcast did change my life. Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Like you, it started with me of just, you know, one or two hours a week, you know, doing some work to create something. And it, it, it comes from that love of wanting to be helpful to people. And you and I share that very much in, in our daily work. We get so excited about that, of seeing someone take something that, you know, sometimes an idea we've created, but more often it's a, it's a new way or just a, a mention about someone else's work, or it's a new way of thinking about something, or it's an example, and then take that and then create something new with it. For me, that's just so much joy to see that. I love it when people reach out and they say, hey, I, I heard this. And then I went and did this, which I would have never even thought that someone would do with that, whatever that was. And they created something amazing new from it. And I think that's just so exciting. And, uh, and I'm, thank you for being a part of that in our community. Hey, I've got a question for you as well. Have you set up your free membership yet on the coachingforleaders.com website? If you haven't, uh, activating your free membership is going to give you access to the entire episode library since 2011, searchable by topic, plus access to my weekly leadership guide, the personal library, the free audio course, a whole lot more. So you can dive in just as Johanna's done over the years and really find the thing that's be most beneficial to you. You can set up your free membership by going over to coachingforleaders.com. The Saturday cast was brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. If you'd like to discover more about the Academy and get alerted about opportunities to apply for membership, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy, or just hit the academy word there on the top of the website. Thank you so much for listening and see you on Monday for the next regular episode. Have a fabulous weekend. Take care.